BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, November 19th, 2019. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Apple is planning an awards ceremony. Amazon has a new Fire TV accessory. Spotify launches your daily podcast. Google announces your daily news update. Ransomware targets vets. And the hidden cost hurdle for electric cars. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Surprise! There's going to be an Apple event on December 2nd, right here in New York City. But double surprise, it's apparently not going to be for any hardware or service debuts. Instead, at the event, which, oddly, will be held at 4 p.m. Eastern on Cyber Monday, we'll be focusing on, quoting Apple, honoring our favorite apps and games of 2019. Later in the invite, Apple says... Quote, loved by millions, created by the best. Quoting CNBC, Apple typically issues a press release detailing its favorite apps and games of the year annually, but this time there might be some sort of award ceremony instead of just a release. New products are not expected at the event. Reports had suggested Apple was planning to hold some sort of press conference in October, although the company ultimately announced and released products instead of holding a splashy event. Recent announcements included the new 16-inch MacBook Pro and new AirPods Pro with noise cancellation, end quote. So yeah, this is odd. The MacBook Pro and AirPods Pro weren't enough to hold a mini-event for, but an apps award ceremony is? And then there's the fact that the Mac Pro still needs to officially be released, as well as the Pro Display XDR. So you would have thought that they could cobble all of that together with whatever red carpet rundown they'd want to do for apps, especially if they had thrown in the MacBook Pro and AirPods Pro. Again, it's just odd. Casey Newton snark tweeted, quote, Huge congratulations to all the winners. Apple Podcasts, best podcast app. Apple TV, best TV app. Apple Maps, best maps app, end quote. Like Apple, Amazon has no qualms just unleashing new hardware without any splashy event. They did so today with a product called the Fire TV Blaster. It's $34.99, and it's an IR blaster. It lets you control your TV or cable box using Alexa, although you still need to have a Fire TV set up for all of that to work. Quoting The Verge, The added IR blaster allows you even greater control over your TV setup through Alexa, allowing you to switch inputs and control things like power, volume, and playback through Echo Voice controls. The $35 accessory gives Amazon's other Fire TV hardware the similar TV controlling functionality that Amazon's IR blaster-equipped Fire TV Cube already offers, but at a lower price and without requiring customers to redo their entire setup. Amazon already offers an IR-enabled Alexa voice remote, 
with its newer hardware. But the Fire TV Blaster offers a few other features like cable box control as well as the added hands-free convenience of not needing to pick up the remote first. The hardware is pretty simple. It's basically a small box with an IR blaster and the necessary Wi-Fi hardware to communicate with other Fire TV products. There's also an extra port to attach an IR extender to beam the signal into hard-to-reach places. There's no speaker or microphone built in. Those functions are still handled by your regular Alexa device, end quote. You can pre-order this now for December 11th delivery. And again, since this doesn't function standalone, you can also order it as a part of a $79.99 bundle that includes a Fire TV 4K streaming stick and an Echo Dot. As Nilay Patel tweeted, Yes, yes, streaming wars, disruption, blah, blah. Amazon's fancy AI still needs to shine a flashlight at the TV to turn it on, end quote. Amazon is also expanding its free ad-supported version of Amazon Music to mobile apps, Fire TV, and the web, with access to select playlists and radio-like stations. If you already have an Echo device, you might be familiar with Amazon Music as the default music option when you ask Alexa to play music, at least until you plug in your Spotify credentials or whatever. But until now, you either needed to be a Prime member or the owner of an Echo device to use this default Amazon Music service. No more. Now non-Echo and even non-Prime users in the US, UK, and Germany can get at playlists and stations based on any song, artist, or genre. Think of it as, I don't know, Pandora Prime? Quoting Music Business World, Interestingly, Amazon's expansion of its free tier comes alongside an aggressive price promotion at the company, offering new customers four months of its premium on-demand service, Amazon Music Unlimited, for just 99 cents. Sure enough, if you log on to Amazon's newly expanded free tier today and attempt to play a specific track, rather than a playlist or station, Amazon gently reminds you that you don't have an Amazon Music Unlimited account, but can get one for this tempting trial price, end quote. Speaking of Spotify, they have launched what they are calling Your Daily Podcast, which features customized playlists of podcasts serving up trailers, long podcast episodes, and more so you can discover new great podcasts to subscribe to. It's like Discover Weekly, but for podcasts. It is available today in the U.S., U.K., Germany, Sweden, Mexico, Brazil, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Quoting Ashley Carmen in The Verge. The playlist, which I've randomly had in testing for at least a month now, mixes podcasts that people already follow along with Spotify's own recommendations. The team primarily considers listening history and what shows people follow to make its suggestions. The playlist will feature trailers, long podcast episodes, and smaller news bites, says Emily Rowich, director of product design, and the team isn't committing to any set format or specific ratio of long episodes to short, or new shows to favorites. Rosich says there's no, quote, preferential treatment for certain shows over others or Spotify shows versus other networks. Listeners might be shown an episode in a series they already listen to, a show about a similar topic to something they already like, a popular show in a genre they like, or a show with a host they already enjoy. 
That said, Rawich couldn't offer any granular insight into how the algorithm will work in the future or how it'll determine what content might be interesting to listeners. Unlike music, podcasts have certain features that might make them harder to qualify, like host voices, for instance, but she wouldn't elaborate on how the company assesses these traits. It's unclear if the team is planning to transcribe shows behind the scenes, for example, to better help the algorithm understand what people are talking about on shows or how the team tags shows around genre, end quote. You will be able to find this new playlist in the Your Top Podcasts shelf in the home section of Spotify or the Made For You hub when you're browsing. To trigger the playlist, though, you'll have needed to have listened to at least four podcasts on Spotify within the last 90 days. Recently, the world learned the power of artificial intelligence, a technology cybersecurity leaders have been leveraging for years. Now, as AI expands and evolves, those same security leaders are left wondering where humans fit into the next generation of AI-empowered security tools and solutions. Arctic Wolf, the industry leader in managed security operations, seeks to answer this question in their newly published report, The Human-AI Partnership. Access the insights of over 800 cybersecurity decision makers in North America and the United Kingdom to better understand how organizations are weighing the benefits and risks of deploying AI tools. Uncover the biggest obstacles to turning AI and human engineers into a formidable team. Discover why the near-term benefits of large language models are being upended by a crucial flaw in the technology. And learn what the rise of AI tools mean for human practitioners moving forward. Get your copy today at arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. That's arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you ka-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify transformed ResumeWriters.com from the spaghetti code backend I cobbled together in college to the world-class commerce platform it sits on today. And Shopify can do the same for your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ride, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ride now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ride. It seems that today is just a day for audio news, because Google has also announced your news update, a Google Assistant-powered audio feature that chooses news story snippets based on what Google has learned about you over the years, your interests, your location, and more, and then plays them back to you to give you news on things that it thinks you'd be interested in. Again, sticking with our theme today, personalizing the news. It's going to be rolling out in the U.S. first, quoting from The Verge. Google has licensed audio from a variety of news sources, including ABC, Cheddar, the Associated Press, CNN, 
Fox News Radio, PBS Reuters, and WNYC, and a bunch of local radio stations. It can then identify the content of those outlets' news stories by reading specific metadata they create for their stories and by using its computers to listen to the stories themselves. Google has paid its partners to work with the company to create their stories in this format. Audio in hand, Google can then arrange it in a news feed for you, just as it arranges a news feed on the web. For each story, the outlet that produced it is read out before it begins. It starts with a top national or international story or two, moves on to local stories, then it tends to play stories that are more likely to be relevant to your interests. For me, that meant stories about the Minnesota Vikings and tech. After a while, the stories shift formats from short one- to two-minute updates to longer, more podcast-like stories. If that sounds a lot like what you get from the NPR One app, that's because it is. But Google is pulling from a larger pool of sources, and NPR isn't one of them. That's one reason why I won't be using Google's new system, end quote. Yeah, I'm a little skeptical, too. The main problem I have with this idea is I'm not entirely sure news works like this well in an audio format. I mean, feeds are all about scrolling, scrolling, and then dipping in when you see something that interests you, right? If nothing else, as Dieter Bone points out in his piece about this that I've just quoted from, can you imagine having to be like, Google skip, Google skip, Google next story. But Google says that just like on Spotify or Netflix, if you skip things enough, it will learn and fine tune. And hey, this is an admirable stab at creating a vast ecosystem of news sources in audio form. So, hey, Google, if you're listening, I know a tech news podcast that already breaks its news items into bite-sized segments. Get in touch if interested. It seems that the ransomware hackers have seized on a new target, veterinary hospitals. This is from Krebs on Security, quote, National Veterinary Associates, NVA, a California company that owns more than 700 animal care facilities around the globe, is still working to recover from a ransomware attack late last month that affected more than half of those properties, separating many veterinary practices from their patient records, payment systems, and practice management software. NVA says it expects to have all facilities fully back up and running normally within the next week. NVA said it discovered the ransomware outbreak on the morning of Sunday, October 27th, and soon after hired two outside security firms to investigate and remediate the attack. A source close to the investigation told Krebs on Security that NVA was hit with RIUC, a ransomware strain first spotted in August 2018 that targets mostly large organizations for a high ransom return. NVA declined to answer questions about the malware or whether NVA paid the ransom demanded, end quote. Makes sense. Vets are a data-intensive operation, but also data-intensive operations that might not have the IT or OPSEC sophistication that we certainly hope human hospitals have. We spoke a lot about electric cars yesterday and Ford's hope that it can make EVs a mass-market phenomenon. But one of the uphill battles for EV adoption has been the price. True, with EVs over the life of your vehicle, you save on gas, you save on maintenance and repair because there are less moving parts. But EVs still tend to cost more at the outset because the batteries are just so expensive. Thus, those tax incentives to offset the initial cost difference. The hope has been that As EVs become more popular, the price of lithium-ion batteries will fall. 
that's how things tend to work when technology becomes mass popular. And that is still the hope, but new research suggests that it might take longer for that to happen than some had hoped, and maybe it won't happen at all. A new report from the MIT Energy Initiative warns that EVs may not reach price parity with internal combustion vehicles over the next decade, quoting the MIT Technology Review. The problem is that the steady decline in the cost of lithium-ion batteries, which power electric vehicles and account for about a third of their total cost, is likely to slow in the next few years as they approach limits set by the cost of raw materials. Current lithium-ion battery packs are estimated to cost from around $175 to $300 per kilowatt hour. A typical mid-range EV has a 60-kilowatt-hour battery pack. A number of commercial and academic researchers have projected that the cost of such batteries will reach 100 kilowatt hours by 2025 or before, which many proclaim is the magic number where EVs and gas-fueled vehicles reach retail price parity without subsidies, and they would continue to fall from there. But reaching the $100 threshold by 2030 would require material costs to remain flat for the next decade during a period when global demand for lithium-ion batteries is expected to rise sharply, the MIT report notes. It projects that costs will likely fall to only $124 per kilowatt hour by then. At that point, the, quote, total cost of ownership between the categories would be about the same given the additional fuel and maintenance costs of gas-fueled vehicles. Where these lines cross precisely depends heavily on local fuel costs, among other factors. But the sticker price of an EV with 200 miles of range would still run thousands of dollars more than a comparable gas-fueled vehicle in many areas. While closing the gap on total costs of ownership would be a solid step for electric vehicles, the average consumer is very sensitive to the upfront price tag and what it equates to in monthly payments. Costs are likely to continue to improve as, among other things, companies reduce the level of pricey cobalt in battery components and achieve manufacturing improvements as production volumes rise. But metals mining is already a mature process, so further declines there are likely to slow rapidly after 2025 as the cost of materials makes up a larger and larger portion of the total cost, the report finds, end quote. In other words, unlike in other areas of tech, in battery tech, the economies of scale that happen with wide adoption might face hitting a wall in the form of materials costs. It would be as if Moore's law was hampered because the increased use of silicon had no effect on the price of the underlying raw materials, i.e. silicon. Fortunately, though, of course, silicon is the second most abundant element in the Earth's crust after oxygen, so we're unlikely to see price spikes in silicon anytime soon. So several of you have gotten in touch to tell me that you've been having trouble listening to the podcast in your Teslas. I mean, probably half a dozen of you have gotten in touch about that at this point. And as far as I can tell, the trouble is with TuneIn Radio or the TuneIn app, which is apparently how Tesla does podcasts inside the car. All I can tell you is that I don't know what the problem is. When I check the TuneIn feed, everything looks good. Everything seems to be perfectly fine on our end. I don't have a Tesla, so I can't, you know, jump inside my car and 
troubleshoot. So I'd love to be able to help you, but I guess we're just going to have to bug TuneIn because I, again, can't replicate the issue on my end. It's not like I see our show is broken in their feed or anything like that. Anyone at TuneIn listening, or I guess we just got to bug them on Twitter or something, sorry that you're having the problem, but I'm throwing my hands in the air because it's out of my hands, apparently. Talk to you tomorrow.